to join in with the special music this morning. 575. I will sing of my Redeemer and his wondrous love for me on the seated. All right, boys and girls, we have Children's Church for those second grade and below, second grade and below, and it looks like Brother Matt is our teacher this morning. He's headed to the back, so y'all can meet him right out there. Parents, if you didn't know, uh, they stay in the building. They go just down the hall a little bit. All the doors are locked, so it is very safe, and I want to make sure you know about that. Matt always does a wonderful job, doesn't he? Amen. We thank you, Matt. I think you got them all. Psalm 119, if you don't mind turning there. Psalm 119. Uh, a week from today, we will begin our annual spring revival. We will have Brother Mike Lawson, who is a pastor of First Baptist Church Sherman. He is not a professional evangelist, and some of you may be saying, well, why are we having him? Why aren't we having a, a, like a real evangelist? Uh, Mike Lawson and I met, uh, actually, uh, over the internet. He is a friend of a friend, and we got to talking through that friendship. And it turns out Mike Lawson is from Colmanil. He's a graduate of Colmanil, and many of you uh, are reminded of who he is and have uh, been able to link up with him. He came and visited us one Sunday back in March, and so looking forward to him. And I, I wanted, I don't know, I just felt moved in the spirit um, to have a, a local local guy come back and for, for us to see what God can do through anybody. And he even made mention of that. I'm not making a joke about him. He made mention that he hopes that people will look at him and say, wow, he's a pastor. God can use him. 
Uh, and uh, that's how amazing grace is, that God can put any of us into His service and into His work. So as we get ready for this spring revival, as we get ready for these services, we're led to this question, what leads to a good revival? What leads to having a successful spiritual revival? Is it a good preacher? Is it a good music that inspires our soul? And believe me, Brother Ernie Overstreet will bless your soul. Is it special nights where we have free food for everybody? Some people would say, if you don't have free food, we're not going to have a very good revival, right? No. What happens is, is we often use these kinds of things, a good preacher, good music, food nights, or something like that, to draw in numbers. Because in our minds, we equate numbers, large attendance, with success. But I have no problem telling you, in all honesty, I don't believe God sees that. He does not equate numbers with success. If you look at the ministry of Jesus Christ, he had a lot of numbers at the beginning of his ministry, and at the end, even his inner twelve were betraying him and leaving him by himself. And so success is not always equal to numbers. That doesn't mean that we don't want to see as many people here as possible, because the more people that are present to hear the message of the gospel, the more impact God can have through our revival meetings. And so I'm not trying to down uh, the, the importance of us inviting and the importance of us having people here. That's not what I'm saying. But that is not what makes it, makes it a successful spiritual revival. Some of us might think, well, what about emotions? If I feel within my heart like I've been revived, if I feel moved, if I feel this or that. Listen, tears, happiness, or other ranges of emotions are not the measuring stick either of a spiritual revival, though emotions often accompany spiritual movement in our hearts because we are emotional beings. That's the way God created us. We have tears, tears of joy, tears of sorrow, tears of, of grief. We, we do those sorts of things. We have all kinds of, of different emotions based on how God is moving in our spirit. But the emotions do not equate to a successful spiritual revival. Spiritual revival, or just the word revival, means to bring back to life. And so spiritual revival is the idea that our spiritual life is renewed, that it is brought back to life. You know what happens a lot of times in our, in our spiritual life is we go to church, we go through the motions, we go through the, the spiritual check boxes, if you will, right? Well, I got this done, I got that done. But there's not really any kind of movement of God in our life because we've kind of disconnected. Or worse, sometimes we kind of, of uh, uh, put boxes in our life, right? This is my church box, this is my spiritual box, this is my Bible box, this is my work box. And, and the spiritual things are Sunday, maybe Wednesday. And we forget that God is always there. You see, what really happens in a spiritual revival, what happens in our lives when we are spiritually revived, is that we are overwhelmed with a sense of God's presence. And that's what I would say is a successful spiritual revival, is that we are overwhelmed with a sense of God's presence. And it's no longer a, oh, well, yeah, God is always there. But it's a, God is always there every moment of my life. And because we are overwhelmed with a sense of God's presence, we are led to make spiritual commitment to Him. That's a successful 
spiritual revival. That's what happens when our spirit is revived, when the Holy Spirit is able to take hold of us. We're overwhelmed with God's presence, and it leads us to make some kind of commitment to Him. Now, that commitment can look like anything. It could, be, it could mean that you're going to start being a witness more in your life. You're going to start reading the Bible more in your life. You're going to start praying more in your life. These, these are the kinds of commitments that can come out of spiritual revival because we're overwhelmed with a sense of God's presence. So what can lead us into a spiritual revival? If it's not, if it's not good preaching, if it's not just music, if it's not free food nights, what is it? I want us to look at Psalm 119. And I know, I know, I spent 22 weeks preaching through this chapter from the summer into the fall just this past year. But I want to look at a few of these verses because there's about eight or nine times in Psalm 119 where the psalmist makes this statement, revive me according to your, and then he'll list some sort of attribute or characteristic or persona of God. Revive me according to your blank. And, and, and what I want to do is I want to just give you four thoughts this morning of what we personally, individually, can go home starting today and start doing that will ensure that each and every one of you will be spiritually revived and we won't be just coming to some nice meetings with some good preaching and some good music because that's not what we want. I, I want us to be a church that is made alive. And I'm not saying we're dead, but there's always more that we can be for God's glory. There's always more that we can do. There's always more that we can grow. There's always some way we can increase for the glory of God in our own personal lives. And let me tell you, when the church will do it individually, personally, then the church as a whole benefits. Because we are a body. We're not a collective group of individuals. We are a collective body of Christ. So here's the first one. Prayer. Oh, that's so simple. And these are all going to be simple. You're all going to be like, okay, this is not profound. I'm not a profound guy anyway, right? Prayer. And there's not a particular verse I want to point you to in Psalm 119. I want to remind you of this. Psalm 119, all 176 verses were a prayer offered up from probably David. That's who most believe wrote Psalm 119. We cannot experience spiritual revival apart from spending time with God in prayer. We often have this idea that prayer is all about us telling God what we want. But in reality, prayer is calling on God to bend our wills to His will. And that in itself is the point. We lack spiritual life that revival will bring because for too long, we have been bending our lives to our will and our desires and what we want. And we need to spend time in prayer with God and say, Oh God, what do you want from me? It's been said, a prayerless Christian is a powerless Christian. A prayerless Christian is a powerless Christian. And throughout church history, prayer has been the impetus, the catalyst, to bring spiritual awakening. The great preacher Ian e. Bounds was born in 1835. He began his three-hour prayer routine at 4 a.m. every morning. To him, prayer was not a prelude, it was a priority. Edward Payson, who was a minister during the Second Great Awakening in the 
19th century was said to have worn grooves into his floors, his hardwood floors, as a result of spending so much time in prayer. Adonia Judson, who was a successful missionary to Burma, he began, uh, he believed that his success was attributed to only his time in prayer. J. Hudson Taylor, founder of China Inland Mission, also believed that his success in mission endeavors over in China was attributed to his time only in prayer. George Mueller petitioned God for millions and millions of dollars to fund his orphanages in Great Britain in the 1800s, only through time in prayer. You know, that guy never sent out a fundraising letter asking for commitments. He just prayed, and God blessed them financially. John Fletcher, one of the leaders of the Methodist movement, stained the walls of his room from the breath of his prayers until his death in 1785. Here's what I'm saying, and here's what history shows us. The men and women who do the most for God are always people of devoted time of prayer. You cannot do anything for God without spending time in prayer. Could it be that the lack of conversions in the church, the lack of life change in the church, the lack of the church's impact on culture is because our lives are prayer deficient? Because we've not been spending enough time in prayer. Let me ask you some questions and you just answer this within yourself. When was the last time you spent a large amount of time in uninterrupted prayer to God? I don't mean like five minutes. When was the last time? Don't answer that out loud. Here's another one. When was the last time you fasted and prayed for God to move in you and through you? You see, we fast for doctor's appointments. We fast to make room for a really good meal coming up, right? Hey, Christmas meal, woo, we got to skip meals for a couple of days, right? Why wouldn't we fast and pray to see the Lord move in us and through us? When was the last time you wept in prayer for God to move in those that are in your circle of influence? Or for God to use you in those in your circle of influence? And so because of this, I want to give us a couple of opportunities to kickstart our personal prayer life. Listen, the revival needs your prayer help. It needs your prayer. First, I want to ask you this. Would you consider fasting and praying for at least one day this week? In the past, we've had calendars out on the walls and asked people to, to sign up. And i got to tell you, it's just kind of discouraging because it's like the, the, the same ten people are the only ones who sign up on it. And so I'm, just, I'm not even going to put a calendar out this year. I'm just going to ask you, someday this week, would you just pick a day and fast and pray? And at the close of the service, I'm going to have some handouts out there to just give you some idea of what the benefit of fasting and praying can be, but also what a fast looks like. It doesn't mean you have to go completely without food the entire day, though if you can, that would be wonderful. There's a lot of ways you can fast. The point isn't what you do without. The point is spending that time in prayer instead. Would you consider just giving one day this week to fast and pray, and specifically praying that God would move in our revival? Second, we're going to have two house prayer meetings this week. One is going to be Tuesday afternoon at the house of Kurt and Karen Lowe, and one is going to be Friday evening at the house of Jimmy and Sandy Davis. These are very uh, uh, informal gatherings where we, all we do is pray. There's not going to be a Bible study. There's not going to be a worship service. We're just going to get together. We're going to pray specifically for the revival, and that is it. 
And in the past, we've done this, and it's lasted like an hour. Although I think we sit around and eat cookies and drink coffee, and it ends up lasting two or three. But uh, anyway. Finally, on Wednesday night here at the church at 6 p.m., we're going to have a special time of prayer for the revival services as well. Our kids will still be meeting. Our youth will still be meeting, though they're welcome to join us. But here in the sanctuary, we'll be having a dedicated time of prayer just for the revival. 6 p.m. Wednesday night. We need your prayer. And you're like, well, can't I just pray at home? Yes, absolutely. Please pray at home. But we also need to gather together and pray what we call corporately. Listen, throughout the book of Acts, the first century of church, the church regularly gathered together. And do you know what they did? They prayed. They prayed for God to move. They prayed for God to do this or do that. They prayed for God to use them. And as a result, God did miraculous things through that church. So I would encourage you to participate in it as much of this as is possible. Every single thing that we do, or just pick what you can, we need your prayer. Do you really want to see spiritual revival in your own life and in the life of Comanil? Listen, I talk to people every day. It seems like they're like, oh, I just want to see God do something. I do too. But he's not going to do anything if the people of God are not spending time devoted and dedicated to prayer. Saying, oh God, move in me. Do you really want to see God do something here? Do you? I see a couple of heads shaking, but that's it. Number two, look at verse 25. Psalm 119, verse 25. He says, my soul clings to the dust. Lord, he is in desperate, desperate state in his life. He is in grieved. He is saddened. My soul clings to the dust. He's been humbled. What does he say? Revive me according to your word. The second principle for reviving ourselves spiritually is we must spend time in God's Word. We must spend time. There will be no spiritual revival apart from God's Word. The Bible often equates the Word of God with food. As as bread brings physical nourishment to our physical bodies, God's Word, which is sometimes called the bread of life, brings spiritual nourishment to our spiritual lives. And I know talking about bread to some of you keto diet people, you're just like going insane in the membrane. Don't get caught up in the, in, in, the, in, the, in the illustration, in the metaphor, okay? Bread in Bible times was very important to life. What we're talking about is the sustenance of life. We need this sustenance for our life. Jesus said this in the midst of his temptation, man cannot live on bread alone, but needs the word of God. We must see the same application in our desire to experience spiritual revival because we will not experience spiritual revival apart from the Word of God. And this is not a one-verse application. It's not like verse 25 is the only thing I'm using to make this statement. Throughout Psalm 119, you see actually that repetitious statement, revive me according to your Word. Several other verses where it makes that statement. But not only in Psalm 119, but also Psalm 39 and Ephesians 5, the Word of God is compared to water. Water needed for life, water needed for cleansing. Anybody ever gone several days without taking a bath and you're like, man, I sure could use a bath. Water is so essential, not just for our physical nourishment, but for cleansing ourselves. Hebrews chapter 5, the word of God is compared to milk and meat needed for growth. In the Gospels and in 1 Peter, 
The word of God is compared to a seed that is planted, that grows a plant that produces a fruit to feed us. The word of God is a sustenance that we need for our spiritual growth and our spiritual life. But we also need God's word because it is a reminder. God's word reminds us of his grace. His grace on humanity that has been present from the moment that he spoke all of creation into being. And then that grace that proceeds throughout all of human history and into the future, into the moment of revelation, the end times. God's grace is active and it is needed. And we need this reminder, this, this note, love note of reminder from God about how he deals with us in grace. It also is a reminder of his love. His love that has been existing in our lives from the moment of creation to the very last moment of humanity. But it culminated when he sent his son to this earth to die on a cross for my redemption and for your redemption. We need this reminder. We need these reminders. We need God's word to remind us of how much he is filled with grace towards us and how much he loves us. I have these boxes of notes. I have one box at my house and I have one box in my office. One of the, the box down at my house is filled with notes and cards and, and just little things from my family, my wife and my three, my four children. Oops, I just left one out. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I don't know which one I was leaving out. Anyway, my wife and my four kids, they give me little notes, they give me birthday cards, anything like that, and I stick it in this box. And on the box, it actually says, people that love me the most. Because I, I think they love me the most. I, I'm pretty sure they love me. I have another box here in my office, and it's filled with cards and notes from you all. Anytime you give me a note, now it has to be a note of encouragement, okay, so I don't stick the negative, I don't get any negative ones, but I stick those in that box. And anytime I need a reminder of your love, a reminder of your grace, a reminder of how much you mean to me, you know what, I go to that box. Now, I don't want you to think your pastor's like, oh, he's so depressed, he's always in that box. Northea's probably never seen me get into that box. But I do every once in a while. Because I need to be reminded. Because, I, you know, life gets you down. You forget. And you need that reminder. Likewise, we need the spiritual revival that God's word reminds us of how much he loves us. And how he is filled with grace towards us. We need this word of encouragement. Did you know, in fact, that the Bible is often referred to as a love letter from God? Oh, it is. We need this in our life. And this is one of the major keys to God reviving us spiritually. Not only that, but this is the foundation of our faith. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Listen, whenever I have doubt in my faith, whenever I'm discouraged in my faith, whenever my faith is weak, when I need spiritual revival of my faith, this is where we need to go, the very foundation of our faith. And if I go to any other source, any other kind of sustenance to try to get my faith kicked up, to get it spiritually revived, it's like going to junk food instead of a well-nourishing meal. We are in desperate need for the spiritual nourishment and revival that only God's Word can bring. We are in desperate need for truth, and we must recognize that truth comes only from the Word of the Lord. So in this coming week, I want to urge you to spend time personally reading in God's Word. Would you make a commitment, spending time reading God's Word, if you're not already? Now, some of you are like, I already read an hour today. Praise the Lord, please keep doing that. But if that's not something you currently do, I want to encourage you to do that. Now, does it matter where? I don't think it does. I, I, I don't have any particular area to give you. I mean, 
If you're starting for the first time, I'd tell you to start in the Gospels. The Gospel of John or the Gospel of Mark are great places to start reading God's Word. But if you've just got an itch to read Leviticus, go for it. Just be committed to it and dedicated to it and ask and do this. Before you read and after you read, would you pray a prayer something like this? Lord, would you speak to me through your Word and bring me spiritual revival? Something like that. Speak to me through your word and bring me spiritual revival. The word of God is so important to spiritual revival. One of the reasons we named our fourth child, Josiah, is because we love, I love especially, the story of Josiah. If you don't know about Josiah, look in the Old Testament. I can't remember at this point where it's at. I think it's in 2 Kings, 2 Chronicles, somewhere in there. My apologies. Anyway. Josiah is this eight-year-old king that comes to power. Right around the time he's 16 years old. And by the way, Israel is just, they've left God. They're worshiping all kinds of false idols. They're just, they've completely forgotten about the presence of God. And then suddenly one day the priest comes in to Josiah's palace because Josiah had said, let's clean up the temple a little bit, okay? And the priest comes in, and while they've been cleaning up the temple, you know what he says? Oh, king, we have found a book. Was the book of God's Word. It was the book of Moses. Deuteronomy, I think, specifically is where they were reading from. And as Josiah started reading through God's Word, he was moved in his heart and his spirit because he said, Oh God, oh, you've got to do something among your people. And he led the people of Israel, the people of God, in a spiritual revival because he was cut to the heart of how they were sinning against the Lord. Oh, we need God's Word. Would you please spend time reading in God's Word, which leads me to the next point. Verse 40. Look at verse 40. The psalmist says in verse 40, Behold, I long for your precepts. So in other words, I long for your word. Revive me in your righteousness. It's referring to God's purity, His sinless, holy character. The psalmist realizes that his way is filled with, with sin. And you know what? So is mine. And you know what? So is yours. I hope that didn't offend you. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us, every single one of us are people that have sin in our lives. That's why Jesus had to die for the sin of the world. And I hope that doesn't offend you, that God lumps us all into one category into regards of sin, and that category is this, guilty. And so like the psalmist, we must realize that our way of doing things will never bring us the spiritual revival that we need. We must have the righteousness of God. We must have His righteousness in our life. And in fact, it is God's righteousness that even brings us life to begin with. The Bible paints this picture that because of our sin, we are dead in our trespasses. Because of our sin, we are spiritually dead, but we are born again, we are brought to new life when we humbly submit to Jesus as Savior and Lord, and His righteousness is applied to us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us, in Him we become the righteousness of God. In Jesus Christ, when we accept Him, we become the righteousness of God. So what we need to do in regards to being revived according to God's righteousness is we need to ask Him, show us. Like Josiah had realized when he read through God's word, 
he realized that they were worshiping all these false gods and he would, they were sinning greatly against God, we need to look at our lives in reflection to God in God's word and ask him to show us any sin that might be hindering our relationship with him. Sin is the dam that we build to keep the living water of the Holy Spirit renewing us in our relationship with God. We must confess and we must repent from sin every time we realize that there is sin present in our lives. Let me ask you, do you really want to see God do something in Colmenil? Do you really want to see God do something in your church? Do you really want to see God do something in your life? Then we must confess and seek the righteousness of God in our lives. 1 John 1.19 says, If you confess your sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. Revive me according to your righteousness, O Lord. Beloved, would you please take this week to seek the Lord in prayer, to seek His purity and His word, and apply it to your lives, and ask Him, Lord, what do I need to confess and repent of in my life? Let us not forget the promise of 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called according to my name will humble themselves. The verse is up there, isn't it? Micah, keep going. Yeah. And pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. There it is. There's confession and repentance. Then what? Then I will hear their prayers. I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. If my people, that's us, the people of God, those who have been born again, oh Lord, revive me according to your righteousness. I can try to make myself look righteous. I can try to act righteous, but that's not the point. I need his righteousness that only comes through confession and repentance of sin. Finally, verse 88. Would you look at verse 88 with me? He says, I'll wait till you get there. Good to hear your pages turning. Verse 88. Revive me according to your loving kindness, so that it may keep the testimony of your mouth. That word loving kindness is the Hebrew word chesed. It is also translated covenant loyalty. Sometimes it's translated mercy. Sometimes it is translated God's favor. When we start thinking about loving kindness, so this word chesed is God's favor, unearned, unmerited favor, God's favor upon us that we don't deserve. You know what that is? That's grace. Thank you. That's grace. Amen. That, that is grace. And when we relate this word loving kindness to grace, this totally makes sense. Because the Bible teaches us that without Christ's redemption, we are dead in our trespasses. But by the grace of God, we are saved. Therefore, we are brought to life. Our new life. In Jesus Christ is a work of His grace and His grace only. His faithful chesed, loving kindness towards us. So it only stands to reason that we would go back to this great life giver and depend on Him to revive us in our spirit. He's the one who gave us life to begin with. So it only makes sense that we would go to Him to get our life reinvigorated, renewed. So what this means is that if we are truly hungry for revival, if we truly want to have this overwhelming sense of His presence in our lives, we must go to Him 
and rely only on Him. We cannot manufacture revival by our own efforts. Let me say that again. You and I, we cannot manufacture revival on our own efforts. Hey, listen, we can have some great preaching. We have some great singing. We have some wonderful meetings. But spiritual revival is a result of God's people turning to God and God in turn pouring down His loving kindness and His grace upon them. So we can make a lot of noise, but without His loving kindness, it's just noise. We can have some great music, but without His loving kindness, it's just music. We can have some great preaching, but without His loving kindness, the words of the preacher will fall flat. On the contrary, we could have the worst of preachers. We can have the foulest of music, but by the grace of God in our lives, He can move powerfully in us and through us. Listen, I don't want to depend on human effort to revive my spirit. I want Him and Him alone. I want to depend on the spirit of life to bring me revival. It is only by the grace of God that we can truly experience God's spiritual revival in our lives. Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers of the 19th century, and and some say throughout history, made this statement, What can a hammer do without the hand to drive it? Likewise, what can we do without the Spirit of God driving us? The answer, nothing. Absolutely nothing. Listen, I don't want to do nothing. I want to do something. I want to be used by God. And it doesn't matter if I'm remembered. I don't care. I want God to be remembered. I want Jesus to be remembered. I want Him to be lifted high above everything else. I want us to be revived by the Spirit of God. I want to look back on my life and I want to see where He has been instrumental and been the hand driving me and it not been my own efforts. And so I'm going to pray. I'm going to read His Word. And I'm going to go and confess my sin and repent. And I'm going to rely on His loving kindness to do that this week. Beloved, I want that same for you. For every single one of you, I want that. There's an old funny statement that preachers sometimes say, you can't revive what's not been vived. There can't be spiritual revival in someone who has never had the spiritual life that only comes through faith in Jesus Christ. So we're going to have a time of response this morning where the musicians are going to begin playing. I'll pray here in just a minute, and we want to invite you to respond however the Holy Spirit, however you may feel led. And if you realize you've never been vibed, if you've never received new life through Jesus Christ, then we want you to come and receive that new life this morning. Or maybe you just want to start your prayer life, your renewed prayer life off this morning. Then do so during this time of invitation. However the Spirit... Feels you uh, feel is leading you to come forward or is speaking to you. We want you to know there's people down here that can talk to you, men and women. So just come as the, as the, as the Lord leads you. Would you pray with me, bowing our heads and closing our eyes? Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your hand on our lives. We thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word. Lord, I'm thankful that we don't have to manufacture some sort of uh, emotion-filled spiritual revival to be successful. But Lord, we just We just have to submit ourselves to you and depend on you. But sometimes, God, that can be the hardest thing. Because it's a lot easier to try to do it on my own. It's it's, it's a lot easier to try to manufacture stuff on my own. So, Lord, would you just move in my heart and my spirit and all of our hearts and spirits this morning that we instead would go to you. 
spend our time in prayer, to spend our time reading your word, to spend our time confessing and repenting from that in our life that is separating us from you. Lord, would you move in the hearts of your people this morning in the way that you always do, with loving kindness, with mercy, with grace. We thank you for your presence. And it's in your name I pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Would you stand with